0: Basically, it just comes down to telling a story. That's, that's what it is. If there is an explanation for what happened and why, and your borrower can relay that to you, you relay it to us.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Helping Heroes Become Homeowners. I'm your podcast host, Richard Sari with Alliance Mortgage Group. Again, this podcast is helping veterans and active duty members learn more about their benefit and debunking those loan myths that you hear out there, but the VA home loan isn't the best loan out there. So today I have a special guest, um, a VA underwriter, Jamie Kennedy. Um, Jamie is passionate about the VA home loan, just like I am. So I'm excited to have her on, get some feedback from her, some underwriting tips from the VA aspects of of lending. Um, Jamie, welcome, I appreciate you being on. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your background as a VA underwriter?
0: Absolutely, thank you for having me. Um, I started in mortgage in May of 2009, I believe. I started a little backwards. Uh, Most people dive into conventional first. I actually dove into VA first. (laughs) I worked for the California Department of Veterans Affairs. So I dabbled in CalVet home loans, but majority were VA loans. So I probably worked with VA for Four or five years before I ever touched a conventional file, so VA is definitely um, my wheelhouse. It's where my passion is. I love helping veterans. So
1: that's a, so that's a little bit about me. <laughs> with a being VA underwriter, you have to get a certain certifications to be designated, correct?
0: Absolutely. So when I, well, it it depends. Um, if you go through the automated service, which most lenders and brokers do, Than you do at working for the California department of veterans affairs. All of our loans were manual underwrites. We, I never ran a loan through a U S. So I didn't have to have my lap. Um, I wasn't a SAR. We had designated SARS at the time. So it wasn't until I went over to the private industry that I actually got my certification and which was a little bit easier because you're running through things through AUS. You're getting the automated approval, which kind of is a little bit more lenient than the manual underwrite and what's required.
1: Absolutely. So that's a, good, that's, that's a good point that you bring up, manual underwrites. So tell us a little bit about what that process looks like from a VA underwriter standpoint <clears throat> and what tips can you give maybe the loan officer out there who's not familiar with how to do a manual underwrite?
0: Manual underwrites, I would say the there's two big differences. One is the documentation you need. You're going to need two months bank statements, whereas an automated, you only need one month bank statement. Um, You're going to need every type of credit, LOE or LOX, whatever you call it, (laughs) for drugs, any late, where automated, you don't necessarily need that. You need to look at the credit a little bit more in depth. So if you have recent collections, charge-offs, it's treated a little bit differently on a manual underwrite than on an automated approval. You have to dig deeper into that. You really need to make sure they have at least 12 months satisfactory credit. Are their collections, you know, a a one-off, a one-time thing? It's just definitely more documentation and looking at, at that credit piece is the big differences.
1: So with the credit piece on the explanation letters, are you looking for the last 12 months derogatory credit, 24 months? How far back are we looking that we need explanation letters for? It,
0: so on manual underwrites, it really, it really depends. Um, we all know if you're a VA underwriter, a VA lender, you know the guides aren't very black and white. There's all those gray areas. Right. So if it's it's really gonna depend. If you look at it and they have collections from a year ago that started five years ago, you know, so let's just say they had something happened to them for a five year period, you're gonna want an explanation for all of that. But if they have two collections last year and then maybe a collection a few years prior to that, you're just gonna want an explanation for the most recent.
1: Okay. So have you found that you mo- most military have explanations tying them to their service time when they get redeployed or things that are sometimes really out of their control is is there more leniency on those or is I mean walk me through That's, what's where you're comfortable versus not comfortable because you're putting your name on that approval at the end of the day?
0: Abs- absolutely. It, it basically it just comes down to telling a story. That's That's what it is. If there is an explanation for what happened and why, and your borrower can relay that to you, you relay it to us. As an underwriter, it's really important that you put those notes on your VA loan analysis. You don't want to just submit a package. So that's where we come into play. We need to be able, we have to have the whole story on these VA loans. You know, a conventional, it's, it's not as important with these it is because if you can tell that story to VA and you can justify what I'm doing as an underwriter, then they're more than likely gonna be okay with it. They they trust us as an underwriter, but you, you have to be able to explain why you're doing what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. What do you think in your thousands of loans that you've underwritten, what's <laughs> been the, not really the craziest, but maybe from a loan officer perspective, the most unlikely scenario that's gotten
0: through? Um, I have actually, you know, I came from retail, um, that's where I was for years. I dabbled a little bit in wholesale. So it's, it's a lot different as far as a lender goes, you know, you have, you have more wiggle room on the retail side, I think than you do on the wholesale side. Um, but I have actually approved loans that were like 63, 65 DTI, which just blew my mind. (laughs)
1: On a manual underwrite,
0: well, no. On an AUS approved underwrite.
1: Oh yeah, well, I've gotten those too. <laughs> yes, um, they got the residual it's all about income, the residual.
0: right? Yeah, right. Um, and then it goes back. It goes back to your lender overlays. Like I have gone up to fifty-eight, fifty-nine on a manual on my retail when I was in the retail world because we we can make those calls. Um, it it just it made sense. It the borrowers they had reserves. They had good income. I mean, their, their credit was a little off, but they had a BK a few years prior. Um, they were clean ever since. And just for whatever reason, we could not get an AUS approval, but everything else made sense. And again, it's like I said, it's telling that story as an underwriter, you have to be able to tell that story on your loan analysis to make it make sense. And then VA is not going to question you as long as your residual, when you're over a 41% DTI, um, you meet residual by 120% and you have stable income. You can show that they have satisfactory credit. They're going to make the loan work.
1: Right. And that you have underwriting authority when it comes to that, Ab- correct? Absolutely. Yes. You don't have to ask anyone for nope their two cents. Complete authority. No. So with that being said, what's the likelihood of the approval rate for VA home loans versus maybe conventional or FHA? Because I have the numbers. I'm curious to know if you, with your experience, if you know that VA probably has a higher approval rate than other lenders or other financing.
0: I, I would assume they do just because how high you can go up for the DTI. And I really think one of the things that helps the VA is their residual calculation. I think having that in there to show, you know, they basically they're taking your, your paycheck, deducting all of your estimated taxes, seeing what you actually have left over at, at the end of the month to pay all your bills. So even though it's a higher DTI, when you can see that they meet the residual by two or three times, they're going to, they have that ability to pay their bills. Yeah. And you don't do that with any other type of loan program. I know FHA, I believe requires you to do that for different scenarios, but not like VA.
1: Right. With the F, with FHA as if you're at a certain criteria right kind of score, I believe in ratios and all that so yeah that comes why, why that's not done on every single financing type is odd but VA gives you that opportunity to use it to their full advantage to get Absolutely. The approval on that now when it comes when it comes to that residual word you have to have hundred and twenty percent but what's and I'll go back to a scenario that I have years ago like 8 9 years ago when I first really started diving into the VA platform is when we have a a non purchasing spouse we have to take in the mm-hmm. community property state we have to take their debt into consideration right and that residual may not be met but what I learned was we can take the income from that non purchasing spouse or that other person and use that to offset the residual to help that correct mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, I don't know if they don't realize it or if they're scared to utilize that, but if you're hitting them with the debts, you're not using them to qualify. If they have the income, use the income to offset those debts. If it's in your favor. I mean, if you don't need to use the income, then obviously by all means, less paperwork is, is better, but right. it's a tool that to, you can utilize.
1: Yeah, that was, and it, uh, I've done it. That was, yep, that was one of the first things that I learned because my underwriter like, why aren't you doing this? I'm like, I didn't know. And mm-hmm. that is like the main guideline in my head for ever now is learning that, coming across that, and knowing that is a huge way to fix a loan and thinking that through that you can use that additional income to get that residual to work.
0: Absolutely, because most of the time in community property states when you're not... You- you're not utilizing the spouse, um, it's because credit score, you're going to get a better rate Correct. if that spouse, but if you have to hit them with the debts, then you might as well throw that income in there. You're still, absolutely. they're still technically not on the loan. So that score is not going to impact them. So use everything to your advantage if, if you need it.
1: Correct. Cause that, that goes into the household income calculation for that
0: purpose right. only. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Are there any other unique ways to get the residual down besides what we just discussed on that?
0: Um goodness. I have one of I mean, in my head. I'm sure I have. I mean, so he, there actually is. So if you have, and this it's a, a single veteran, but if they have a dependent and you're going to hit them for having that dependent for residual income. There is a way that you can either show that they have that dependent 50 50. So you can decrease, you know, that second Mm -hmm. dependence there. It's a unique way to do it. It's all on the, it's all on the underwriter. You have to go in there and like manually switch what is required. You have to make notes on to, why you're doing what you're doing, you have to have supporting documentation, which could be, you know, divorce decree shows that my veteran has the dependent 50% of the time or they paid child. So, you know, whatever the unique situation is, but there is a way to decrease the required residual that way.
1: That, that is very out of the box thinking. And it is, (laughs) it's, you know, the, it comes down to the VA underwriter that you're working with and the experience mm-hmm. that the loan officer has maybe in that situation to even come across that thought right? to put that loan together. Um, having that complete conversation with your client, hey, this getting the whole story like you mentioned about the ban you underwrite, get the whole mm-hmm. story about the client to see what could and could not work. Now, one other idea that I did uh, two months ago is we had seller concessions. And those seller concessions were used to pay mm-hmm. down his debt. And that, got his, residual, that got his residual down. Um, my realtor did not know we could do that on a VA home loan. So that is something new yeah, that she is, learned about using That is concession. one of the nice
0: things about VAs is that you can use that seller credit. As long as it doesn't, you know, as long as how they word the credit, because I've had it worded before that it is, you know, only fees associated with the loan. And I'm not sure why. But as long as it says there's no caveat in there that it can only be used for loan type fees, you can use it to pay off anything. You can use it to pay down debt and then- Yeah.
1: We paid off $18,000 of, of, of debt.
0: Oh my gosh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, they came that's out That's amazing. Like,
1: they came out debt-free and all their debt and all they had left was the new mortgage payment on the house they bought.
0: That's amazing.
1: So it was, it, you know, it's, it was a complete win win for both sides. Sellers still netted out what they wanted to net out and they got their debt. Pay. I mean, right. it was.
0: And you're a not leaving seller credit on the table. That What's that? That I said, and you're not leaving seller credit on the table because that's horrible. Mm-mm.
1: No, it was fully, fully used. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, that was, that was a really good thing. Now, with, when we talk about, residual income too there's different requirements for what area of the country that you're in too correct
0: absolutely so there is a chart on the va lenders handbook i um when i underwrite i just keep it on my desktop i've printed it in a word doc because it depends on if you're midwest south you know how many people in your family the sales price i I'm shocked that VA has not increased these figures <laughs> over the last how many years, but hey, you can take yeah. what we'll take what we can get. Uh, you also have to, you know, include maintenance. So maintenance still is I think point fourteen cents per square foot of the home. So you have to take that into consideration. There, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, that's pretty much it. One of the There's two big things that would come across my desk. We would have loans with high DTI that would get AUS approval, but it was, they were false findings because when it was submitted, residual calculation wasn't completed. So when it hits the underwriter's desk, you're like, oh uh, yeah, they actually, they actually don't meet residual or they meet it, but by this, and then once, you know, you know, maybe by an extra hundred dollars, not the 3000 that AUS thought they had. And right. then you rerun it, and now you have refer findings. The other thing is grossing up non-taxable income. You can only gross that up for DTI purposes. You cannot gross that up yes. for residual, and people forget to take the difference and subtract that from the actual residual income. So those are, the, yeah, what's re- the two big what's ones. What's
1: really important. cool about our new origination system that we went to first of the year is there's an actual section built into their system that forces you to fill that out. And it forces nice. you to get, to get the, the accurate calculation before you run it. Mm-hmm. So it's because in the past you would have to remember when you go in the DU, did I mm-hmm. do any of that? Um, right. and you get some loan officers that they'll do one or two VA loans a quarter and they, they don't put it together properly. And then run mm-hmm. an issue. So that the system is, is built towards making sure that gets filled, filled out. So that's a huge. Huge savings, Grace, when it comes to putting a loan through. Absolutely. And sure it's done accurately.
0: Yeah, now, that is nice. One of the
1: other myths that we come across is appraisals. So <laughs> it may not be the best question to ask you, but is there a difference between a VA appraisal and an FHA appraisal or conventional appraisal?
0: Um, I'm not too familiar with FHA. Uh, <laughs> they've always kept me in VA. I know. Uh, Honestly, really no <laughs> as far as VA and conventional. Um, so I'm gonna say no for FHA because I know you an FHA can be transferred to conventional. Th- there really isn't. You know, they have to look for the MPRs, which any good appraisals gonna appraiser is gonna look for that type of stuff on a conventional appraisal. It's an MPR for minimum property
1: requirements. Yes,
0: right. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um and your subject to items are going to be the same from conventional to VA. They're not out there looking for things that are wrong with the property, which I know a lot of people seem to think that's the case. And there's actually, um, I'm not sure people are aware of this, but if there are subject to items that are not health and safety items, you could put in a request to have those waived and VA does grant those requests sometimes.
1: Right. So for everyone listening out there, when you want to submit that waiver, do I go through the underwriter or do I have to go directly to VA?
0: You go directly through VA. At least that's how we did it. I think it depends on who your your lender is. Um, the NOV has to be issued first before you right. put in that request. So once the notice of value has been issued, then you can put it put that request in. And the most recent one I had, I think – it took them like 24 hours and they, they approved it.
1: Yeah. I had one on a new build. They had, they still had the, I guess the builder door, not the actual door that the customer purchased.
0: Oh, right.
1: I mean, you know, something like that should be a no brainer, but you know, if there's other things, I had one for a particular appliance, you know, they had a, the wrong microwave that she picked out, but they put one in there just to have, and, Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, it was, there was no microwave in there. So something like that for an appliance um, that I got taken care of. When you have value though, I've had a lot of realtors, you know, tell you, well, the values for VA are going to be different and lower than if we go conventional. And that just, it it floors me when, when I hear that because your, your VA appraisers certified to do VA appraisals, right? They they have Mm -hmm. to go through a certification process to even do those. So I, I, have you seen maybe a hard question to ask, but I don't think that there's going to be a value difference to large magnitude between a conventional appraisal and a VA appraisal.
0: Well, there shouldn't be, they should be analyzing the properties the same exact way. Right. So that is definitely a myth. And, and again, there goes to, you know, the one nice thing about VA is you're working with your VA underwriter and you're working with VA, you don't have to go through an AMC. So if you get a value that you're just like, there's no way that this house is should be $25,000 higher in value. And they call Tidewater. Same thing. Your underwriter has to go in there. We have to review the appraisal. We have to issue the notice of value. Then you submit a reconsideration of, a value to VA. You basically do your own comp grid, tell them why you think it's this value. And it, I mean, it's a toss up. I've had them come back and say, yeah, no, you know, you're stretching. I've also had them come back and increase the value. And there's nothing that yep. needs to be done by the appraiser at this point. VA handles it.
1: And the the, the max I believe that they can do is what, 10% of the appraiser value?
0: Um, I actually had one that was a little bit higher, but it's because VA did it. I think that, I think what you're thinking of is supposedly the SARS have the authority
1: to sway that value,
0: which I have never done that. I have never worked for a lender that will allow us to do that. If they want the value reconsidered, we just go to VA.
1: So with VA, we have two shots to get our value to match the purchase price. Why we have the Tidewater that the appraiser is going to give notice, Got 48 hours to do your things, get the appraisal comps to the appraiser and he'll review. Now, if you ignore that, right, it's nothing's going to change. You're just going to get it assigned out to VA portal. You pull it down and it is what it is. Then you'd have to do the reconsideration Mm -hmm. of value on that. Absolutely. Um, And I believe the request has to come from not only us, but also uh, the buyer, the, the veteran.
0: The veteran, correct. Because they yes. don't they don't want to increase the value if it's truly not there or if the veteran doesn't feel it's there. You know, if they don't want to right. pay that higher price and they think the value is accurate, which makes sense. Sure. You want so, to know what's in their best interest and what they want.
1: In theory, having a VA appraisal is better than a conventional or FHA. I think so. Because you have two chances to counter a a low value. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I know with conventional, you can rebut, but I've never seen a conventional appraisal rebuttal (laughs) ever come back at any additional value to match the list price.
0: Well, and the nice thing about VA as an underwriter, I can talk to the appraiser. On conventional, I am not allowed to talk to the appraiser. I talk to the loan officer the processor, and then they go through the AMC and then things don't always get portrayed correctly. So you're, you know, you're playing that telephone game.
1: Right. Yeah. We've, we've had only a few that we've had to do an ROV on and one came back. No, and one came back a little bit higher, but for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, it gives us that option. And those are the discussions right. that we have with, with the realtors when they're asking us all these questions about value. You know, If we don't get the value, here are two options that we're going to have ahead of time. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it at least gives them a, a peace of mind that if we don't get there, we have some options in our back pocket. Right. So appraisal turn times. I know VA has a particular timeframe from acceptance. Mm-hmm. I believe it's still 10 days, 10 yes. business days, depending on.
0: I, for most areas, there are, are a few areas that are a little less, um, but yeah, for the majority, it's 10 days.
1: 10 it days usually doesn't take that correct?
0: long though. Correct. No.
1: Not not now, but you know, you also had that other theory that will they take forever to get back in. Well no. Yeah, that's they're held to a higher standard. They have to get get it back in mm-hmm. by a certain amount of days per VA. Absolutely. So I wanna talk real quick too about self employed complex situations for mm-hmm. veterans. Active well active duty, not too much, but for veterans who maybe are self-employed, is there any special way to get that income evaluated or is it evaluated the same way with the other types of financing?
0: It's, it's well, it's a little bit different if you are looking at Schedule C. I mean, you have to have two years, you know, where conventional, sometimes you can get away with one year. Um, So sometimes that's not in your favor, but when you're looking at Schedule C, a lot of people, think that you can add back mileage on VA loans and you cannot. And I've actually had that be a deal breaker on a couple loans, you know, where they're trying to push out in all honesty, these people probably should have waited to buy a house. They weren't quite ready yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But because they used that mileage and it was a ridiculous amount. And I, I was like, yeah, no VA does not allow you to add mileage back in. Now, if, their CPA does it where they're adding the mileage back into depreciation and it's on that depreciation line, of course, you can add back depreciation, but you cannot do the individual line item for mileage. So that's probably one of the biggest differences. Everything else is pretty much calculated the same. Um, You know, if you have a decrease in income, you're going to want an explanation. But again, as long as everything makes sense, VA is really about the storytelling.
1: Right. What about... You have that uniqueness where you may have one person who's going from one job to another or they're, I don't know, they've got commission on a previous job. They started a new job Mm -hmm. and they have commission too. Is there any leniency on using that commission? So there is.
0: So the guidelines read that they have to have a two-year history. Right. It doesn't state that it has to be a two-year history with the same employer. So as long as you can show, and that's where you have to get written VOEs, verification of employment, that actually break down that income for their prior employer to show, you know, what that commission was. So as long as you can show that they have a history of it and it's in line or similar, you can absolutely, same with overtime bonus. Okay. It's just all about that documentation. Mm -hmm.
1: So if we we can show a pattern or a history of it mm-hmm. we can still average it or we just take the year to date average of the new Well
0: job? I would take I would take the year to date average of the new job or you know some some jobs have depending you know I know there's some car salesmen out there where you know they get a minimum commission I Yep. you can use that as long as you have that supporting documentation if you have their job offer or their pay agreement that shows exactly how it's paid, then you can, you can use those figures.
1: So let's talk real quick for active duty. So when you have an active Mm -hmm. duty, active duty member that wants to purchase a home and they're getting housing allowance, can they use that housing allowance still to purchase a property?
0: Absolutely. And you can gross it up. What would
1: be their, what would be their benefit of doing that?
0: Using their housing, it gives them more income, so then their debt-to-income ratio is better. They could probably qualify for more.
1: So the housing allowance that they get doesn't mean they have to remain on base. They can use the housing allowance to purchase a property. Correct. And there's no restrictions. They don't lose that housing allowance if they purchase a property.
0: Nope. They do not. There's actually... and. After this, I'll email you. There is a a website, it's a military website where you can actually go in and put their years of service. You know, if they're an officer five, enlisted four, you know, whatever their current service is, you put it in there, Mm -hmm. you put the zip code, and it'll print it up for you and you match it straight to their LES, which is a useful tool too if they're transferring somewhere. You know, right after the close of our loan, because you want to see what their new housing allowance is going to be.
1: Based on their area of the country, right?
0: Absolutely. We've
1: we've had a lot of people move from California to Texas, and it's a little bit less in Texas than it is in California. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Right. Or if you do
0: vice versa, if it's going to be higher where they move, you want to give them that increased amount.
1: Now, as from an underwriter perspective, are you giving that to them right away or do they have to have something in hand from their new, um, from their new base?
0: As long as I have like their transfer ha- orders, I'm good. And then I'll go look up the figures on that website.
1: Okay. So, yeah, so I don't require veteran, the LES. If you're active duty out there and you're living on base, it might be something to consider is mm-hmm. using your housing allowance to maybe qualify for a home loan. Absolutely. Yeah. So timelines, are underwriting timelines for a VA any different than a conventional or an FHA loan?
0: No, not at all.
1: Is there any reason why people out there think there might be? Does it need to go to somebody else to look at the file? Does it, you know, tell me how that looks.
0: No, it. I mean, it's the same exact process. Nobody else is looking at your files. Um, I have probably more authority on VA loans than I do on conventional loans, you know, as far as making those decisions for the higher DTI because VA lays out compensating factors. And as long as I have one of those to throw in there, then, you know, we're good to go. I don't need right. to send it to somebody else. Like I would on a conventional.
1: Because it goes back to what you have VA approval authority, right? You can. Absolutely. You can do it and not have to worry about it. So, you know, if you Absolutely. think it's going to take longer than, you know, my quickest VA loan outside of a streamlines had been about 12 days. And so
0: I, um, I did a joint loan that had to go to VA for prior approval because they were it was a veteran and non-veteran. We closed that loan in 21 days with it going to VA for prior approval.
1: So you bring up a good point. So with VA, you can do a joint loan. A lot of people may or may mm-hmm. not know that, but you can do a joint loan. It does have an extra step where it has to go to VA, but I think VA's made that a little easier now with the electronic version of what they will will want to review, correct?
0: Absolutely. You just put it in stacking order, you upload it and, and they review it and they get back to you pretty quickly.
1: But with that being said, you're not going to get nothing down on that, right? Because if you have one veteran that has entitlement and one that does not, you're not gonna get all of it covered. They're gonna have to put something down, right?
0: Yeah, so if you, there are different ways of doing um, what they consider joint loans. So joint loans are basically more than one borrower and they're not married. So it could be a veteran and a veteran, which if it is a veteran and a veteran and you're using 50% of veteran A's entitlement and 50% of veteran B's entitlement, you don't have to send those to VA for prior approval anymore. Oh, okay. Which is that's good yeah. to know. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, but because you're using both of their entitlements. So we as VA underwriters should be able to determine if there's enough entitlement. So that's one way, which is zero percent down because they're using both entitlement. They both have to certify they're living in the property. That's the easiest way. The other one is veteran and non-veteran. So the way, the easiest way for me to explain it is if you have a $500,000 purchase price, you divide that in two. So that's exactly how VA looks at it. $250,000 is the veteran, $250,000 is the non veteran. They are only going to guarantee 25% on the veteran's half of that, which means okay. the second borrower is going to have to come in with 12.5% down payment. Right. No matter what. So if the, no matter what. So if they're going to yeah. come in with a down payment, regardless, that's at least that high and they're going to go conventional, but one of them's a veteran and VA's rate is lower, you might, might as well do VA if they were already planning on putting that much down.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, in the past we've heard too from realtors, they can't do a VA home loan together because they're not married. Now nah, we've got to go conventional yeah, or we got to do a different type of financing. And that's, you know, they don't know what they don't know, so that Mm -hmm. that comes into play more often. uh, That I've I've had a lot come across my desk here in the last six months asking those particular questions, but they didn't have the money to put Mm -hmm. down to do that. Do it that way, right? Um, But yeah, that is an option if you're out there and you have someone that you're not married to that's not a veteran, you can still make that work.
0: What I've done a lot where you know they're active duty and they're serving together. Um, and they want to buy houses, so you have two non-married veterans that were, you're like, hey, let's buy a house. You know, we still have how many years left? Let's let's do an investment together. And it, again, you can still do the 100% financing. Um, it does not have to go to VA because they're both Doesn't veterans. Doesn't VA have
1: something in there about if they intend to take title together as married that they don't necessarily have to be married?
0: Um, so we, I don't ever ask for a marriage certificate. Um, if they say they're married, they're married, you know, that's they're right. <laughs> signing their loan application, stating that, but you can do um, domestic partnerships. And then in that case, you actually, I think there's a certificate of domestic partnership and okay. that can be, that can be male, female, same sex. It doesn't matter. That d- just depends on the state, how, how they look at that. You know, some people don't want to get married, but they've been together for 10 years and they still want those benefits. So they do the, the domestic partnership Okay. and they, they would only want proof of that. But
1: yeah, I had, I had one loan where they wanted, (laughs) they wanted the engagement letter. I mean, luckily I had that, but I was kind of questioning, well, why do you need that? And he gave me a reason mm-hmm. why, so I provided what they wanted, and it ended up getting done. So let me ask you this last question. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, <laughs> what tips or advice could you give to potential buyers that uh, potential buyers out there that would help streamline the process and make things a lot smoother? What What do you like to see in the file?
0: do not buy anything. (laughs) Do not move your money if you're using assets. Um, that's the one thing about VA that people don't realize. Like I don't need your bank statements. If you have enough seller credit, um, it's hundred percent financing. I don't need to see your bank statements. So sometimes less is more only give us, make sure your loan officer has everything that they need. Your loan officer to us, sometimes less is more um, have that conversation. You have to have the full story. If you had a couple hiccups in your credit, tell your loan officer what happened. There's ways around it, there's ways to explain it. We're, you mm-hmm. don't have to always pay off those collections, so don't think you have to. And then, one thing um, I have a family of veterans, so I actually had my nephew do this. I believe it is Experian or Equifax. Go in there and add your utilities. If you have little to no credit, or your score needs a little help, go check out these credit bureaus, do your self-reporting utilities. It's going to increase your credit score. It's a hundred percent okay on any type of loan.
1: Yeah. And
0: it, it will be in your favor.
1: That's uh, I think what Experian Boost does that, right? That's that process? Yes, that's
0: what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So at the end of the day, Sometimes less is more, Mm -hmm. but loan officers need to have all their ducks in a row from the client. Complete story.
0: Absolutely. All the
1: documentation to back up that story um, Mm -hmm. and any things that might need another look at the guidelines when you're structuring that loan.
0: Absolutely. And if you – I mean – Having a great relationship with your underwriters is is key to me. I, I yep. always make myself available to my loan officers, and I'm always like, "Call me if you are not exactly sure how to structure this, or if this is okay. Call me. We'll walk through it together, and I'll I'll tell you as far as VA goes how to handle it."
1: Yeah, that's a big a big tool to have is is that communication with the underwriter. I'm a I tell Mm -hmm. everybody this, I'm a big due diligence kind of loan officer. So I'll get Mm -hmm. the full story. I'll get all the documentation. And then if there's something in the guidelines that could go either way, I'm picking up the phone and talking that through and making sure that if there's something in addition that I might need to make the file stronger, or like you said, less is more to make that file Mm -hmm. go through smoother. So it's, it's absolutely to have that relationship with your underwriters in, in, in general. Not just the VA underwriter, but all your underwriters, because uh, each. What's cool about the business is each scenario, each customer has a different story, and that application, oh, loan application, tells that story.
0: Absolutely, there was one. If you have children and you, the big difference between VA and conventional, and you paid child care, you have to let your loan officer know because we do take that into consideration with your debt to income ratio and a lot is it income of times, ratio or resi-
1: is it income or just residual
0: um it is both
1: both okay
0: so there yeah, there is a box that I, I think it's other liability and it goes under job related liabilities, and you throw in the child care there
1: what's the cutoff though for the child care? Is it twelve years old thirteen
0: I believe so, and so yeah, so you could say my I have two dependents, they're overage they don't need child care yeah. like.
1: <laughs> at a certain age they don't need the child care, so don't be concerned if they're right. at a certain age. But I mean if but you, you have still a have one to disclose old, you have
0: both... dependents for a Reason. Joel. Yes.
1: Okay. And
0: yep.
1: my last question is you've got a ton of information. You've given us a ton of a lot of cool things to think about. Hopefully it's helpful to those that are gonna listen to this podcast, but Mm -hmm. From your eyes, what's the, can you think of any success stories or any loans that got approved, manual, automated, that put a smile on your face?
0: I actually had one. um, It was a veteran and his wife. He was retiring. They wanted to keep the house that they had as like a second home. And they were probably going to Airbnb it to make some money off of it when <laughs> they weren't there. But, you know, you can't use that for qualifying. And they were go- they were moving to where their kids and their grandkids were. And they just didn't have enough income for DU to like the file. And the DTI was a little bit too high for me comfortably to Do a manual underwrite. So they were going to start, they were going to take out money from their 401k and put a down payment. The loan officer ran it that way and it worked. And, but they were depleting almost all of their 401k. And I just said, whoa, wait a minute. We know that they can afford this. Why are we, why are they depleting their 401k just to get AUS approval? Let's set up a draw. Uh, You know, they are of age. I'm like, ask them if they are comfortable setting up a draw. All I need is documentation showing they have sufficient funds in there for three year continuance, how much it will be a month and when it'll start. And, you know, they didn't realize that you could do that. Like you can on conventional, they thought they had to have a history of it. And so yep. I saved them by depleting their 401k, setting up that draw. And, you know, they, of course they have the continuance, they can stop it whenever they want. And, It just, the veteran was super thankful and and happy that they did not have to take that money from their 401k.
1: You know, that brings up a good point. So we do, or I do VA classes to realtors, whoever wants to listen, I'll try and do a class Mm -hmm. once a month. But in my presentation, I have this one quote that's in the VA guides. I'm going to read it. It says underwriters are encouraged to consider to every possible appropriate factor in seeking a proper basis for approving loan applications for every qualified veteran. And you just mm-hmm. gave an example of how that happens. So if you're listening mm-hmm. out there and you're, you're saying that VA home loans are hard to get approved through underwriting, they take longer. That is not the case. We have a
0: Absolutely. clear <laughs>
1: example of that not happening. So that's awesome. Is there anything that you would like to add before we end? This has been so cool having you on.
0: I would say the only thing is if you have properties that you know are on a private well, just order order that water quality test. Uh, a lot of people think that you need an actual Well, test you don't. We just need the water quality test. Get it ordered. Don't Mm -hmm. wait for the last minute. You know what's required, so just get it so it's already there.
1: Hundred percent. I had one last month where we didn't know that until we got the appraisal that was on a water well, which you know, as good as I am, I failed to ask that question even though I knew it was Mm rule. So when you've got a lot of things as originators going on with everything that we have to do and all the things that we have to do, sometimes things get overlooked. Um, but yeah, absolutely. absolutely right.
0: as an underwriter, I always try to pull up the the listing or the property because sometimes it'll say you, not always, but especially if it's in rule. And if I see it, I'll put it on my initial approval, yeah. you know, just, just in case. People aren't aware because sometimes we don't know either until we get that appraisal.
1: Yep. It does make life easy. Um, when we get a good Mm -hmm. underwrite, we get a good underwriter for any type of financing, um, VA in Mm -hmm. particular, because we're trying to get the veteran or active duty member in that house as quickly as possible because it can make a huge difference just with what a veteran's gone through getting into a home. Um, I can't even fathom what, Veterans go through when they come back home. But at the end of the day, having a secure home I, to have their family is a huge, huge difference in moving forward
0: Right, and they in civilian life. They can buy a home when they're overseas. They don't have to, you know, wherever, wherever their home is, wherever, you know, when they're here. They could be overseas even for a year and they can still buy a home. Even if they're not married, they don't have to. That's one of the very few cases where they don't have to physically live in the home when they purchase it, if they are active duty and overseas. And I don't think a lot of people realize that they think that you either have to be married or have a dependent that will occupy that property for you. And that's not the case.
1: As long as you have the intent to occupy, right?
0: Absolutely. And, and that's, I mean, how nice would that be for them to have a home to come to when they get back?
1: Absolutely. Well, this is great information. Again, I, Gosh, I wish I could have you on for another hour and do a, <laughs> another
0: oh, I, just yeah. conversation
1: about VA. There's just mm-hmm. so much different. There's so many differences between the two, three products that it's huge. It's just night and day. So if you're out there listening, we, we thank you. Um, we thank you, Jamie Kennedy. Again, our VA underwriter we've used many times. Um, If you have any questions, there's going to be some links on this podcast that Jamie has provided us with additional resource information about the VA home loan. And if you have any comments below, please reach out and we'll get back with you as soon as we can. But again, Jamie, we thank you. And that's a wrap. If this episode has been beneficial, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Also, for regular updates and tips, make sure to follow our social media channels, which you can find in the show notes. Until our next episode, keep making homeownership dreams come true.